Thank you for joining IAB There. And now your host, Cheryl Goldstein. Over to you, Cheryl. Thank you. Today is May 19th. I'm Cheryl Goldstein, the EVP Member Engagement and Development at the IAB. Welcome to IAB There, our daily live stream in which we connect the digital advertising ecosystem. Our topic for today's show is Adapting Leadership in Times of Crisis with Carolyn Everson, the VP of Global Business Group at Facebook. A little bit about Carolyn. As the VP of the Global Business Group, Carolyn leads the company's relationships with top marketers and agencies for all of Facebook's family of apps, including Facebook, Instagram, and Messenger. Carolyn oversees a team of regional leaders and the teams focused on global partnerships, agencies, gaming, and the creative shop. Prior to Facebook, Carolyn was the corporate VP of Microsoft's global advertising sales and trade marketing teams. She also spent seven years at Viacom. Prior to that, she held roles at Prime Media, the Walt Disney Company, and Accenture Consulting. Please welcome Carolyn Everson. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. Hi, Hello. Carolyn. How are you? I am, I am good, thank you. It's great to see you, and thanks you for everybody too. joining. Well, we are excited to have you on today. Uh, let's start a little bit about Facebook, but I ultimately want to focus our conversations on leading in this crazy time. Um, Facebook is, you know, first of all, we're lucky to have a thing called the internet to keep us connected and for us to have this conversation. But Facebook is the leading social platform in the world. It's got to feel like a huge responsibility to be the platform that really is enabling people to stay connected, to get information, for businesses to manage to stay alive, in some cases even thrive. Tell me a little bit about what it feels like to be at Facebook right now. Well, it, 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 it certainly is a huge responsibility and it's, it's always been a privilege, I've said, to work at Facebook. I've been there nine years, but I think now more than ever, the platforms are serving as a way to connect people. We have 3 billion people using our platforms wow. on a monthly basis, which is an extraordinary number. It's close <laughs> That's to, incredible. It's close to half the, the world population are depending on our platforms. We have uh, governments and local health agencies, the WHO, the CDC, depending on our platforms to get accurate information out to people about COVID-19. And then of course we have 150 million small businesses that use our platforms for free. Um, only 8 million of those are advertisers. So 150 million businesses around the world are depending on us to reach and communicate with their customers. And so I would say the enormity of the responsibility is something we all feel every single day. When we wake up, we really think about what one of my clients, Rob Riley said to me from McCann last week, he said, this industry, all of us in this industry, not just mm -hmm. people at work at Facebook, we're second line workers. There's of course the frontline workers mm. who are taking care of people and putting their lives on the line. But the industry, we're responsible for helping to restart the global economy. And so every day we wake up and we think, how are we going to help a small business to the world's largest business reinvent themselves and really take the trends that we have been seeing all coming into mm. this crisis and maximize mm. their opportunity? What are some of the trends that you've seen? Like, uh, obviously, people are home more now. How have you seen usage on the platform shift? 
Yes. So usage on the platform has shifted um, very dramatically. We have the highest level of engagement we've seen on our platform really since the platform started. As I mentioned, 3 billion people are using our platforms on a monthly basis. But more importantly, we're seeing very specific differences in behavior. For example, messaging Mm. volume has increased more than 50%. Video and voice calling has more than doubled across Messenger and WhatsApp. In Italy, which was one of the earlier countries to experience COVID-19, um, there was up to 70% more time spent across our apps. Um, and wow. Facebook Live views doubled in one week. So we are just seeing, I think, a whole new generation of usage. And 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 as you mentioned when we first started this, imagine going through this this self-quarantine and not having the video capabilities that we have now. I do want to be cognizant that there are many people in the world that still don't have internet connectivity. Right. Sure. And so the privilege that you and I have right now and our audience has is, Mm -hmm. is not what everyone has. So we still have a long way to go, but I do think consumer behavior has fundamentally forever changed in terms of their use of technology. Yeah. I think work has fundamentally changed. And I, like, do you think we're ever going to get back to coming into an office every day and you know I, work the way it was before? I think there's there's going to be a spectrum of outcomes. I I don't think that we are going to be um, ever going back to the way it was. I think there will be right. a new normal, certainly until we have a vaccine or adequate testing. But even testing is problematic because you'd have to do it so frequently in order to keep people safe. So a vaccine or treatment, I think are gonna be really key milestones. What I do think this is forcing every company to do is rethink their own biases around remote Mm. work and work from home. And my hope for the future is that companies will offer more flexibility to tap into particularly women um, or men with children that are concerned about how to balance that, particularly underrepresented groups that sometimes don't have the economic means to live near a city and have access to certain jobs. And I'd love us to see generally have more opportunities for people uh, to do remote work as we go forward. And I think that's going to happen. I think so too. And I think folks that are perhaps have some disabilities where commuting yes. has been a challenge now is, you know, now is the time to open your door to look at talent in a whole new way. I couldn't agree more. Uh, you mentioned about small businesses. Um, we do a lot with these disruptor brands. Many of them launch their businesses on Facebook platforms, Instagram. I heard a few stories of a few of them talking about how they really went into this uh, crisis thinking they were going to be out of business in no time. And they brainstormed some ideas and ended up doing an Instagram TV program and had their best sales day ever, like $20,000 in sales in an hour. So are you seeing a lot of companies pivoting and discovering new ways to use your platform yes. that are actually helping them thrive, not just survive? It is, it is such a good question. And so we just put a state of small business um, report out for, for, for the United States. And look, I don't want to sugarcoat it. Some of those results right. are very grim, where a significant portion mm. of small businesses are concerned about staying in business, coming out yeah, of this. Sure. 
But like with any crisis, you know, there's the saying, never waste a crisis. We are seeing businesses completely transform themselves. So for example, we're seeing people that work typically in a gym and see, and maybe a personal trainer or Mm -hmm. a yoga teacher, and they're bringing those classes online and people are Mm. paying for them on Instagram or Facebook or other platforms. We're seeing restaurants that before never even contemplated having an online service for takeout and delivery and have shifted their business model dramatically. Um, Local restaurants here in Montclair that I support, Tinga of Montclair, which is a Mexican restaurant, De Novo Mm -hmm. Italian. Little Daisy is owned by one of my best friends um, in Montclair. And you know, she put her business online and is now doing takeout and delivery. So the trends of digital transformation mm-hmm. that were happening prior to COVID, as Tom, Thomas Friedman said, BC, before COVID, they've just accelerated <laughs> in, in many ways. And, but it's happening across every single industry, Cheryl. Financial right. services, if you talk to the leaders in our industry that are the CMOs at all of the big financial services, they will tell you they've had 10 years of innovation happen within five days in some cases. It's to incredible. get financial advisors to be able to do what we're doing or to have trade, you know, people trade at home. Healthcare, yeah. telemedicine. Um, it's re- so with every crisis, there are going to be businesses that are going to have a very hard time surviving. But there's right. going to be a reinvention um, and a transition to uh, businesses that are both offline and online. And long term, I think that will be very healthy for the economy, but it's going to be rough for a while. I think so. But the pace of innovation is, I think, surprising all of us. Yes. Yeah. So I, in talking to folks at Facebook, I know one of your pillars is around diversity and inclusion. And I know that you are passionately uh, involved in that. In fact, thank you. You are helping us bring out a, a, a inclusive leadership program to the marketplace with Monique Nelson, and that kicks off tomorrow. And we made it free to the public because of, of Facebook. So thank you for that. But unfortunately, I'm seeing other companies pulling back on this. And tell me why it's still important and you are still getting behind these initiatives when others are saying that's a nice to have, but it's not a must have. Well, we've always views, uh, viewed DNI initiatives as not a nice to have, but a must have. If you, you know, we have a platform that represents, as I mentioned, three billion people, which means right. we need to have a diversity in our own workforce um, and a, a diverse mindset of how we approach product development and how we service mm-hmm. our customers all around the world from every aspect. And so, it's very much core to what we need to do for business that we deeply believe in it. Secondly, um, you know, Mark feels very strongly like we're, we're in a very fortunate position and I recognize that not every company is in this position, but we are in a fortunate position that we have a strong balance sheet, we have a strong business. Mm-hmm. And it is at times like this where companies need to step up and really take on the enormity of the responsibility that we believe we have. And so whether that's helping to get information out about COVID, helping with $100 million for small business grants, $100 million to the news publisher business, or mm-hmm. in this case, um, supporting the DNI initiatives in the industry, you know, this is, this is why you know, co- large companies that have the ability to exist and certainly in very difficult times, this is when we're needed. And so we want to mm-hmm. take that on that responsibility. We believe it's critical. Uh, Monique is a fantastic, as you know, a fantastic. I know, I leader. love her. I love her. I've loved her for every every year that I've known her, which has been many, many. I've, I've loved mm-hmm. her, uh, loved her company and loved her insights. And 
we deeply believe that in order for this industry to do what it needs to do, which is to be the second line worker helping to restart the global economy, it needs to represent the faces of this global of this global economy, which means we need yeah. diversity. And so we believe in we believe in the initiative very, very strongly. What are some of the things that you do to try and recruit diverse? Because um, I find that's one of the hardest things is people tend to hire people that they know or that are like them. How do you break away from that and yes. really go ahead? No, no, please finish. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that what you were saying is how do we break away from it? We've, we've spent a lot of time and effort on this. So number one, we have a diverse slate approach. So nobody can hire uh, somebody unless there is a diverse slate of candidates brought in. And that can be measured in a number of different ways. It can be gender, it can be ethnicity, it can be veterans, it can be all sorts of different angles for it, but it needs to be a diverse slate. So that's number one. Um, so we really force the issue there. But we even upstream, we have relationships with the HBCUs here in America, mm -hmm. the historically black colleges and universities. We support dozens of DNI organizations, which are feeder organizations of, of talent at all different levels. And then, you know, all the leadership team, um, you know, myself included, I've made it a priority to meet new people um, that I typically wouldn't have had a chance to meet each month. And so mm. we do table talks, we call them, and we have a chance to just meet candidates whether there's a role open or not, whether they even want to consider coming to work at Facebook or not. Um, it's much more around making sure that we are opening our aperture and really meeting people that um, otherwise we might not have had the opportunity to. But what I always say to leaders that say it's hard, I always say, yes, but that doesn't mean, you, that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it, right? Yes. It doesn't mean, there's yeah. no excuse you know, life is hard and um, there are days that are harder than others, but we still fight through. And so if DNI is a priority, then it is a priority. We also measure it, Cheryl. We, we mm -hmm. hold leadership. I'm held accountable for, for our DNI numbers and I hold my, my leadership team accountable as well. That's awesome. As Monique says, because I asked her, what's the difference between diversity and inclusion? Because I think people clump them together yes. and they think, oh, we have a lot of women uh, and we hire people of color, check the box. But she says, diversity is inviting a lot of different people to the dance. Inclusion is asking them to dance. Yes. So uh, this is gonna lead me into asking you about your leadership style because I'm gonna fess up. I did a little homework. I did a little survey of a bunch of people at Facebook and had them describe you to me, um, adjectives that describe your leadership style, the impact you've had on the company. And this is one of the areas that really came up was, first of all, your inclusive leadership style. They said pre-COVID, you actually flew around to all the offices to say hello to everyone. You're really accessible. And even now in the, in the post-COVID or co during COVID uh, environment, you're keeping in touch with everyone by video and they really feel connected. What could you say about creating an inclusive environment? Well, I love that quote by Monique and I've used that quote as well. It's a really powerful one because inclusion, you can do an amazing job bringing in diverse talent, but if you don't make people feel connected and included, it, it just falls apart. Um, and I think my, you know, my role is to run the global business group at Facebook, which is essentially a big part of the revenue, but that's really not my job. My job, right. the way I see it, is to recruit and retain and motivate and inspire 
um, our talent around the world. And so that is where I spend most of my time on. I really think that culture, there's this great quote cult, you know, by Peter Drucker, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I do I believe that. that. Um, I think you can have a, a company with mediocre products and an exceptional culture, and they will always outperform a company with great products and a terrible culture. Um, you know, I happen to have the fortunate um, opportunity to work at a company with great products and apps, but our culture is, I think, really what differentiates us. And for me, it's around what I call the human qualities of leadership. And so, Cheryl, I've been on this journey for a number of years to try to really understand what are the most important leadership qualities um, that, that I've admired in other people, that I've observed, and they, they all end in why, and they are what I would call human qualities, things like authenticity. Authenticity is more important now than ever. I'm in your living room, I suppose. Um, you're in my bedroom. Yes, right you now, are. Right? You're in my bedroom. <laughs> because this is, Let's keep this that is, between us. This is, this is where I work. Um, so being our authentic selves, I just did a video right before coming to speak to you. I did a video um, for my team, which I do about once a week, super casual. I hold the phone up. I talk to, to my phone, record it, and I post it. Um, and I took my team, so to speak, global team, thousands of people around the world on a walk with me with the dogs, picking up dog poop. That's <laughs> my authentic self because that's what I was doing during those 15 minutes. Things like empathy. Empathy now, um, I think, is arguably the most important leadership quality. And I know my dear friend, Carl Hassan at Citibank has said this. We've had many, many talks about it. But empathetic leaders, to understand that when you're talking to somebody on a Zoom, you don't know what just happened. You don't know if somebody in their community just got diagnosed or did they lose a family member or maybe they're feeling isolated and they're having um, mental well-being challenges. And so really being empathetic for people with all different types of circumstances and vulnerability, I would point out. I think leaders that show that, you know, yes, we can look like we're all put together and get ready for that meeting, but there's we're all, we're all struggling with the uncertainty of this and the very unsettling times. And I think demonstrating vulnerability as a leader is critical. So I try to emulate what I call the human qualities of leadership. And I think at the end of the day, those qualities were always important pre-COVID and now they're more important or I would argue critical. Well, those are a lot of the adjectives that people use to describe you. Empathetic, passionate, transparent, authentic, uh, came up a lot. Are those skills that are like, if you had to work hard to develop those skills or is it something that either you have it or you don't? So, you know, I went to business school many, many years ago, about mm -hmm. 20, you know, over 20 years ago. And I don't think any of those adjectives, those, those words were used um, that I remember. Perhaps now business school curriculums have changed. I think some of these are skills that are more natural to some people than others, but I do think we can all practice them. So for example, I can talk very openly and I do within Facebook about how I'm feeling about a wide range of topics. And that has the response from my team has demonstrated to me that that's how I'm becoming more personable to them, more relatable. Mm -hmm. Um, somebody that they can connect with as opposed to the boss or somebody that, you know, runs the, the larger team. I want to be somebody that people can connect with. And so the more you do it, the more you practice it, the more it reinforces really positive behavior. I share my performance review as an example, which comes wow. out twice a year. And, you know, that's been something that I've done and people have found that to be like incredibly transparent. 
And they also love to see that leaders, we all have things to work on, right? We're all right, works right. in progress. So that's another example. Um, but probably, I think it's practice on all of these things helps you. It really gave me a lot of strength when my, my father passed away in December. I'm sorry to hear that. I appreciate that. Um, the industry has been extraordinary um, in their support. But I really used, I use writing as an outlet a lot. And I would post how I was feeling as I was moving through the grief process, which by the way, I'm still going through. And the response that I was getting, it just reinforced my belief that we all are human beings. We're all mm. trying to get through this. There's lots of challenges. And the more we can relate to each other and support each other, um, the better. And so I would say these are very critical qualities, but at the end of the day, they're human qualities. And so sometimes right. you just have to remember when you walk into that whatever virtual office or real office, being a human is actually the distinguishing factor. Yeah, it sounds like having the intention, like just not trying to pretend to be something you're not, but intentionally just being yourself. Correct. It's just saying, I'm just going to show who I am, my vulnerability and everything. Um, what about the fuel program? Mm -hmm. That came up a few times from the folk. They said you put that in place about five years ago, and it's really been fundamental to shaping the culture. What is the fuel program? Yes. So I had this like moment when, um, you know, I'm supposed, obviously I look at our numbers cause that's what I'm supposed to be responsible for. But there was one number that stood out to me that I was deeply concerned about. And it was a number in a survey that we do twice a year called pulse, where we ask people how they're feeling about the company, their manager, mm -hmm. all sorts of things. And one question asked people about how they were doing on their work life. Um, and I think mm -hmm. the question at the time, which was, was about seven years ago was balance and which is always a difficult question in and of itself, but a third of my team said they were somewhere okay with work life. And I thought to myself, there is no way that I want to be known as a leader that has only one third of my team feeling like they can have a fulfilling and exceptional career and an amazing personal life. Like that's not, I, I want everyone to feel that way. And right. so I set out um, to figure out, was this unique to Facebook, unique to the technology industry, or was it a broader problem? And it turns out it is a way bigger problem. And remember, this is pre-COVID, Cheryl. This is seven years right, ago. Right. So you can imagine what some of this data is going to look like going forward. But at the right. time, seven years ago, 96% of leaders surveyed by Harvard Business um, said that they had some type of mental or stress-related disorder relating to work. People wow. described over $500 billion lost in economic value because they had to take days off because they were burnt out mm. or tired. Um, so there is something going on, right? Again, mm. seven years ago. So we launched Fuel and Fuel um, is many, many things, but at the heart of it, it's a philosophy of how we think, we work and we live, which basically is a philosophy that says, I care about you, Cheryl, your whole self. I care about what your personal dreams and ambitions are. I care about how you perform at work and what you want to do with your career. And I care about what you want to contribute back to society. Mm. And if all leaders care about the whole person and not just, are you delivering on the business for me? You start to really change a culture. And we've been on this journey for seven years. A, a big partner in this and helping me launch it was Lisa McCarthy from Fast sure. Forward. 
um, mm-hmm. who was an early coach of mine. And she taught us about vision writing. And that is a cornerstone of the program where my team, thousands of people around the world, write annual visions. And we write them as if we've already achieved them, which is mm. really powerful. So my vision that was written, for example, for 2020, I wrote it back in November of last year, and I wrote it as if it was December 31st, 2020. And just the act of writing it means you're 42% more likely to achieve those things. And then if you share it, and I share mine completely open with the company, um, you start to feel accountable. Yeah, Um, and so you made a statement. You've made a statement. And so Mm -hmm. now you fast forward to our COVID situation, you know, how do you take a macro program like Fuel? It's been critical to remind people around their four quadrants of energy, their physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. We're reminding people every week that you can't just cut and paste your work life into your home life. You mm. need to think about what your schedule looks like, carve out some breaks, get up, walk around, um, do yoga, leave some time for meditation, make some time to connect for family and friends. But otherwise, um, the, the blurry, the, the blurring of the, there can, can be no boundaries. You can literally roll, you know, wake up, start working and yep. let the whole day go and keep working through the night and you'll have no boundaries. And so reinforcing that you have to be energized and, have, and you have to fuel yourself um, in order to perform as best as you possibly can at work has been a really core message that we've been that we've been reinforcing each each week. And I think that's great advice for all of us. Uh, one another question: you, not only to the Facebook um, employees are you well respected and admired, but leaders in the in the industry and a lot of leading brand marketers, CMOS, etc., uh, really turn to you as a trusted advisor. What are some of them asking about and what advice are you giving them? Well, I appreciate that. I've always said, even though I'm responsible for revenue, I never ever want anyone to ever say I sold them a thing. And then people scratch their head and say, how is that possible if you're running the revenue? I wanna be a business advisor. I wanna be a trusted business advisor. And I would say right now, what people are asking about, they're asking about a few things. One. Um, what trends are we seeing around the world? And because I you know, have the privilege of overseeing the global business, I can see that there's recovery in greater China post-Chinese New Year. I can see that we're watching a few countries very closely like Austria and Denmark and Korea that have had in New Zealand that have had more success controlling the virus. And so what are the consumer trends there? So they would like to understand macro picture what is what does the world look like sort of pre-virus during the virus right. and as countries are starting are to you are you seeing some interesting patterns like sure is there, what, yes okay. we are i mean there look it's encouraging to in some places particularly the countries that have managed this very very well and people are starting to get back to whatever that new normal is as things are opening up um, but there's there's reason for optimism based on some of the trends we're seeing Um, They're asking about the consumer insights. What do people care about? What are they worried about? And, you know, many have described this as like a phase of anxiety that a lot of Mm -hmm. consumers have right now because we don't yet know what the new normal is. But that's an important question. A lot of questions about how to build, maintain and nurture culture during this time. What are some of the best Mm -hmm. practices? Um, For example, one of the things that I do with my teams, as I mentioned, I do just super short very casual, totally unscripted videos um, that I post. But I also do something called fueling connections each week, 
where oh. I bring 20 to 30 people at a time onto a Zoom, totally unscripted chat. I tell them what's on my mind. They ask questions, but it's such an intimate way for people to, to have access um, to leaders. So they ask me a lot of questions about culture. And then what do I think is like, you know, we all ask us, I ask them as many questions as they ask me. I want to be clear. Sure, sure. But we all talk about what is the future of work? What does it look like? Mm. Um, and, you know, there's so many interesting cuts at that because we're social beings. Like I love being with people. I love giving people a sure. hug and seeing people. But look, it's also, this has been a blessing to be with my family and to not live out of a suitcase and to sleep in the same bed, which I, the longest I had slept in the same bed was 14 days in 15 years. Wow. So, you know, wow. this is a gift and I'm looking yeah. at it that way. And so many senior clients are looking at it that way as well. I think they're there. I think it's forcing us all to just pause and see what is really important to us and, and reevaluate how we've been living. Yes. The um, amount so of we're joy all... that I get from walking outside yeah. and watching, because it was happening here during the spring, to see the trees bloom and the flowers and to see my neighbors out who I literally never ever saw. Like right, that's right. giving me joy. Yeah. Are your are your four dogs looking at you like when are you leaving? You're still home. <laughs> They're panicked if I literally walk out, if I take one or two for the, a walk and I leave the other one or two, like they literally are by my side nonstop. I'm very worried about what's going to happen when, when I start back. traveling again, because they're going to be totally devastated. I've loved the time with them. Again, a gift for me. I'm like, it's bring yes. your dogs to work day again. Let's go. And downstairs we go. Um, I know we're almost out of time. I do want to wrap. I love doing what I call wows, words of wisdom, quick stop, start. Um, what should, I'll do a couple very quickly. What should leaders stop doing and start doing? You know, what comes to mind? Leaders, Your should, peers. leaders should stop worrying about uh, controlling how people work and they should start embracing the empowerment and the flexibility and allow people to, to be their best selves. I love it. What about you oversee thousands of salespeople? What are you telling them to stop doing and what should they start doing? I'm telling them to stop trying to do everything that they need mm -hmm. to ruthlessly prioritize and their priority number one needs to be their health and safety. Because if they're not healthy and safe, then they can't do anything for their clients. We can't do anything for shareholders. We can't do anything for the community. So employee health and safety is number one. And the second thing I'm saying is it's not at all anyone. We, no one cares about a Facebook agenda. We care about the client's mm. agenda. Meet clients where they are. Some are growing incredibly quickly and using this as an unbelievable opportunity for their business. And others are totally struggling and are worried they're going to survive our job is to meet clients where they are and help them fix their problems. That is fantastic advice. And last one, last wow, words of wisdom for all of us stuck on Zoom calls all day. One thing we should stop doing and what should we start doing? Well, my, my colleague, um, Andrew Bosworth, who leads AR and VR and all of these future of work products said by day three at home, he cut his meetings in half because our brains are actually not wired to sit in front of a small laptop screen for 12, 15 hours a day. So I would say stop doing mm -hmm. meetings that are unnecessary. Um, and I would say start blocking in some time for yourself to mentally recharge 
because this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. This is going to last a lot longer than I think anyone had anticipated. And these are really important, I think, muscles for us to build to be able to survive and thrive in the long run. Carolyn Everson, fantastic advice. Amazing. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, tremendous so uh, words of wisdom. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you for having me. Take care, everybody. Thanks okay. for tuning in. Okay, some great advice from the fabulous Carolyn Everson. Uh, and today, later today at four o'clock, be sure to tune in when Jen Willie goes over fearless fundamentals. We partnered with Jen, whose uh, company Wet Cement is an industry leader. She was on IAB there with me last week discussing fearlessness at work and how to achieve your full potential. So today at four o'clock, you will get a preview of our five-part workshop that addresses her fearless fundamentals, confidence, communication, connections, control, and courage. I hope you'll check it out and sign up for the full workshop. And be sure to tell your colleagues, go to iab.com events to register. On tomorrow's IAB there, we are excited to welcome Adam Weiss, VP of Strategy at Giant Spoon, where we will look at brand building during a recession. IEB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ants, John Ward, and Tafika Mohanandan. I'm Cheryl Goldstein. Thanks for watching. Come back tomorrow because if it's 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Eastern on a weekday, you know it's time to IAB There. Thank you and have a great day.